Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PA High School Football Report podcast. I'm Nebby Asai, here with the high school sports editor for Penn Live, Brian Lender. Brian, how you doing this week? I'm hanging in there, Nebby. Uh, how are you, man? How you feeling? I'm doing great. All is well. It's a new year, building upon that consistency. Been watching a lot of really good basketball lately. King James hasn't slowed down yet at 37 years old. <laughs> so, you know, just doing, you know, just paying attention to those types of things and, you know, just growing each day, man. I don't think we told people, but uh, uh, Nebby went full-time after the first of the year with us. He'd been working 20 hours a week with us, uh, and, and now you're full-timer, man. How are you liking that? That feels great. I mean, um, for those of you who don't know, I joined Penn Live last March, and um, upon the job offer, I was offered a fellowship opportunity as well, where I would go to school and work part-time with Penn Live 20 hours a week. So I just got the full-time upgrade, and it feels great. You know, I finished up with my master's program at Syracuse this spring, and I'm excited to be a part of this team permanently and a full-time, an official full-time employee now. So just tugging along with that, just trying to leave my mark. Well, you know, I, I know I've, we've had you out at a bunch of basketball, and this is a football podcast, but... You know, we've got some footballers who can ball too, man. I, you know, Big Anthony Smith comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, anybody that you've seen, you know, that, that you saw in football too that's really shining so far this year, man? Yeah, so I just actually had the pleasure of watching uh, Paul Myra hand Cedar Cliff their first loss of the season in the Keystone. Mike Armanini can actually hoop a little bit out of Cedar Cliff, and, you know, I wasn't really expecting that. So, again, folks, for those listening, understand, never judge a book by its cover. <laughs> but – Tajay Brody out of Middletown can hoop too, man. And like I said uh, before on this podcast, when I first got hired with Penn Live, you sent me out to Middletown versus Susquehanna game right before the district title. And Tajay was putting in work. And I told you when I first saw him, I was like, man, he has to be a football player. But his post presence and the way he runs the floor, he's an all-around athlete. Well, he's a guy we're actually going to talk about a little bit today. Um, We're going to transition a little bit. Nebby and talk about football season has wrapped up. You know, obviously we've, we've covered that base. We've done our postseason all-stars um, and we talked about some different stuff, uh, different guys, but now we're coming down to the nitty gritty with guys who were really good high school players trying to find college homes, right? Things have changed so much. I'm 38 now. I've been doing this 21 years and it used to be that your big signing day was this signing date is coming up and Mm-hmm. When they started the early signing period, which took place in December, it changed so much because that sort of became the time when you're really elite prospects. Most of the time, your bigger name prospects signed. You still had some signed with big schools in February, and you'll still see some of that. And not to take anything away from these guys that are going to sign in February, it's just the way things washed out, you know, that your, your bigger prospects would start signing in that early signing period. And then it got even more interesting, Nubby, because we got a transfer portal, which has its positives and its negatives. I am a pro transfer portal guy just because I think you're taking kids who are 15 or 16 years old, locking them into mega decisions. Right. And you know, Nebby, that a lot of these kids, they, you know, they go on a big time recruiting visit to a bunch of these big schools. A lot of these kids, they've never seen anything like this. Right. So I have no problem with the transfer portal from that aspect. The issue with the transfer portal really for me is I feel like kids should be able to move mm-hmm. if they if they get to a school and it's not the right fit. Right. You only get four years, really, to play. Let them play. Let them go somewhere and play. Right. I get the competition. You should compete. But if there's just not the right fit, find a place that is. But the issue with the transfer portal is that, yeah, I think there's something like 1,600 kids in the transfer portal right now as we speak. So, you know, if I'm a college recruiter, Nebby, I want to get that guy that's already been in a college weight room two or three years or take a shot on a, you know, another kid, you know what I'm saying? A high school kid who hasn't been in that program 
doesn't really know what to expect, maybe has a lot of work to do. So that's one thing that got added to the mix. And then COVID came. Right. And that backed every because a lot of guys got an extra year, right? So we're seeing now, I tell you all that to tell you, Nubby, we're seeing now that there are a lot of kids left over going into the next signing period, the next signing day, which is February the 2nd. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of weeks away, who are good football players who in normal years, I feel like we already have more offers than they have or maybe even have gone somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there's a good crop of guys still out there. It's going to be really interesting to see where they go. Now, these guys that we're about to talk about, right, they could be guys who are going to go to you know smaller schools, smaller Division One schools, Division Two schools. Some may even end up going to Division Three prep or juco which are fine routes i mean a lot of guys for some reason don't want to shy away from trying to go prep or juco and i said why wouldn't you it it gives you an opportunity to go mature in a weight room in a somewhat college environment right and and get ready these guys you know they could end up at all different levels Mm -hmm. so but we feel like there's a good crop and 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 you got the you know you and i got a list together here some mid-pin guys because we're in harrisburg Based out of central Pennsylvania, we got a list of some mid-pin guys who we think are good football players that can help college programs at some level. Right. So I wanted to kind of shine a light on them going into this day because, again, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty. And some of these guys I know are nervous, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. They want to go play at the next level. They want to go into college. They want to keep playing football. And it's just not as clear a picture as it was, you know, several years ago. It might have been several years ago. So you ready to dive into it, Nebby? But real quick before you go on, I just want to get some light onto the point you made about guys choosing to go the JUCO route or even go to a prep school or go Division three. Coming from someone who's actually experienced that after high school and going the JUCO route, I feel like that's the best decision I could have ever made in my developmental process as a young man in general, not even just as an athlete, right? It gave me time to decide what it was that I wanted to do with my life and how to figure certain things out that I wasn't quite ready for at 17, 18 years old. To all those players we're about to mention right now, whether it be a D1 school, D2, D3, a JUCO or a prep school, just understand that the game of football, the game of basketball, any sport at the next level is an achievement. It's an accomplishment and continue aspiring and doing what it is that you like to do. Since this is a football podcast, we're talking about the football athletes here. So don't feel that some credit's taken away from you based on what school you decide to go to. Yeah, it relates. You know, again, a lot of guys shy away from it, but the JUCO you know, if you find a good JUCO, the right fit of the JUCO, if you find a good prep school, the advantage is you can, you know, retain some eligibility, you know, especially prep school route. You can right. retain that eligibility, but it gives you a chance to figure yourself out and develop. Every guy, everybody thinks that they're like D1, you know, right. and they're not. Yeah. And you could figure that out at JUCO level. At the same time, if you are D1, that's going to, you're going to figure that out for sure. It's going right. to solidify that in your mind at a JUCO level or the prep level. You're going to get a chance to get your academics in order. You're going to get a chance to get your body and mind right for that next level and, and take right. that next step. So there's yeah. nothing wrong at all with that route. So Being able to play a college sport at any level at the next level is a privilege, man. It's just a blessing. So, And I tell everybody, you know, they'll, they'll find you wherever you are. I mean, there are guys from Mount Union, you know, Division three. plenty of guys went to the pros mm-hmm. from there. They'll find you up and down the board. But Tajay Brody, he's a guy that we just talked about for hoots. He is not committed yet. He did have a handful of uh, college offers. I did not talk to him before this podcast. He's about a 6'3", 230, 240-pound guy who can play tight end. He even played some running back for him this year. Physical guy. I think he's going to end up on defensive line, uh-huh. maybe at a defensive end, you know, at the next level. But I think he's one of the top guys that's still out there. Again, I know he had a handful of offers like the Kent States and stuff like that. And right. a decent list. Mm-hmm. Really good athlete. 
He's been doing it for several years. I mean, this is his freshman season for Middletown and basketball and football. He's a guy that really stands out. And uh, you know what? We got to touch base with Ty J and just see what that's shaking out for him. Like, yeah. wherever he goes, I think he's a guy that's going to find success. Like you mentioned, Brian, he's a special kid, right? He's a three-star recruit, three-star athlete. He could play at any Division One program, in my opinion. You know, he has offers from Kent State, like you mentioned, Syracuse, Minnesota. He could team up with Anthony Smith and go to Minnesota if he wanted to, but the kid puts in work no matter where he's at. And he seems like he has a good head on his shoulders, so any team would be lucky to have a kid like Tajay. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, he's one of the big names out there. Camille Foster from Bishop McDevitt, their speedy wide receiver. He's still out there. He had. A, he's another guy that had, you know, the offers come in, like the Buffaloes and the Kent States. Then it sort of quieted down around signing day. I don't know what the situation is with him either. You don't want to speculate. You know, he just might not have found the right fit. What we do know is Camille's a talented guy. Uh, he can run, and he can help somebody at the next level. It's going to be really fun to see where he ends up. Right. And Camille was one of those guys who put in a lot of work on the receiving end, just like Mario Easterly did. You know, he's very productive for Coach Weck. And I feel like in his situation, maybe this is just a process in which he didn't want to rush. And that's always a good thing. You know, you want to you want to make sure that wherever you do sign your life away to is the best decision and the best commitment for you at the age. So, again, I think he's got to average around 25 yards of catch. So he's a guy that's going to be interested to see where he ends up, on wow. um, what route he takes. Another guy, Nebby, who uh, I want to mention is our offensive player here, Jonte Morris. Now, I've talked to Jonte. I have a little bit of insight on that. So, Jonte had over 2,000 yards of offense as running back. I think Jonte can play running back at the next level. Um, you know, he tore his knee up as a junior. He came back, had over 2,100 yards this year. He had a burst it. Talking to him, I think his initial thoughts were he was looking at the junior college level, looking at the Lackawanna and things like that. Now, the last I talked to him was – uh right around Christmas when we did the all-area team. And his brother, Jaheen, who was also a former Penn Live Offensive Player of the Year for Central PA, is at Millersville mm -hmm. playing running back. And at that time, he told me that he thought he would probably end up at Millersville playing corner. And he can do that. You know, he's 5'10", 180. He can definitely play corner. Uh, you know, I like him there too. But if he doesn't end up at Millersville, I think that's a really good get for them and a guy with some flexibility. Because if corner doesn't work out, even though his brother's over there, I think you can help him at running back too. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. You look at Jonte, uh, his stature, his demeanor. At first glance, he doesn't look like your typical running back, right? But he's just an athlete. He's built and equipped to play almost any position on the field, with the exception of, like, of course, an O line or a D line. But the value and the contribution he's brought to Cedar Cliff this season was immense. And like you mentioned, to be able to come off an injury and to perform at that caliber of play, that type of level. It was just remarkable to watch all season long. So anywhere Jonte goes, if he does decide to go to Lackawanna Juco route, I think that'd be a perfect fit for him. But he definitely can play running back at the next level. But yeah, Brian, the type of kid that Jonte is and the type of level that he played at all season long, especially coming back after an injury, the contribution he's made towards Cedar Cliff, it was just remarkable to watch. So Anyone would be lucky to have a player like him. He's special. He's locked in. He's talented. And he'll give you all he has on every single possession and drive. You know, if he does go to Millersville, it doesn't make sense for him to start at corner, even though I, I do like him as a running back. Because not only do they have Jaheim, his, his older brother, um, but they also have Timmy Smith, who was an excellent running back at Central Dawson, who, who got on the field a little bit there as a freshman this year. And, and, and uh, so they, they would have a nice, you know, mid-pin stable already. Right. And if they moved, you know, if, if he ended up at running back at some point, would not shock me either. But that would be fun to watch. Another guy who I broke down on our list, Nebby, I want to mention real quick uh, when we're talking about running backs, is Marcel McDaniels from CD East. We talked about him a lot this year. He's 5'7", 155, not the biggest guy. He only has really one year of being a 
kind of a standout playing running back. But he had over 1,300 yards this year rushing. I like him. He's kind of quick between the tackles. He runs strong. He's a wrestler, too. I always like those guys who are wrestlers because they just have a, a toughness to them that other guys don't. You know, you got to be a different animal, a different cat kind of cat to be a good wrestler. And, and he is that. And he really helped CDEs turn their program around. I know he's getting some small college looks. I like him. I know you do, too. Yeah, and you touched on the point I was going to touch on. He's a wrestler, right, which allows him to bring a different level of technique when he's out there playing. He defends his body very well, even when he's carrying the ball. Like you mentioned, he's not very tall. He doesn't weigh a lot, but he's solid. He's a dog. He plays with grit. He plays with a lot of heart. A, a kid like Marcel just, you know, brings a lot of toughness, mental toughness, but he brings also that physicality that a lot of guys almost twice his size shy away from. Uh, another guy that I know you and I have you know, been real high on, he made our all-PA team. He was a mid-pen first-team all-star for us. Justin Cook, Harrisburg. He's about 5'10", 170-ish. He can play wide receiver. He had 50 catches this year. Some people may like him at receiver. I like him at corner. Uh, he really only had one year playing corner. Mm-hmm. And he had 11 interceptions. One of them, he took 102 yards back to the house. Yeah. Smart kid. Maybe he wants to get into sports media. You know, maybe like work at a ESPN or something one day. I like him a lot. Justin and I have talked several times throughout the year. Hasn't had a lot of noise around him with the recruiting. I'm a little surprised by that because he's a smart kid. He gets it done on the field. I think he can help somebody in the next level. Absolutely. I think Justin has the potential to play really well in college, especially after the type of season that he's had, right? Without him, I don't think Harrisburg gets it done on the defensive end um, as well. Like you said, he was at the top of the mid-pen stats leaders all season long. He had 50 catches, like you mentioned. I think he had, what, four or five offensive touchdowns on the season. He's just a do-it-all type of guy. Very uh, versatile, smart, outgoing, nice person to talk to. Funny story about him, I actually ran into him and his family uh, at a restaurant down on Front Street, actually, called The Borough, not too long ago. I spoke with his mom um, because I remember one week, he, I think it was like in week three, he was like surpassed everybody by two or three interceptions early on in the season. And his mother asked me if I could, you know, forward her the link so that way she could make a photo collage for him for his senior year. And they're just friendly people. He comes from a nice home, a nice family. And like you said, he gets it done on the field, but in the classroom as well. Good head on his shoulders. Uh, another guy I like, Nevy, I think he's way under the radar. I think he really kind of only got back on the football field this year. I may be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Tyrell Ford from um, CD East. He's a six-foot, you know, 170-pound corner who can really, really run. You know, I think he's got some offers from, like, the St. Francis's of the world, schools like that. When you get a guy who's six-foot, 170, 180 corner for that level, the PSAC, you know, especially, that can really run. Has a little bit of, you know, of the long levers going on his arms, you know, good length for his height. I think he's under the radar prospect that schools are going to are gonna like. And another kid, I think somebody's a good player with him, is what I'm saying, a good player. Another kid, Jay Sean Green from State College. He's a 6'3", about 180-pound receiver, Nebby. He had like over 40 catches this year. Mm-hmm. He's got that big frame that you look for. He catches it well. It comes from a good program. You know, they were a game away from playing for a state title. He was a big part of that. I don't think he's locked down with the school yet either. So he's another guy that I really like that's hanging out there as far as those skill-type guys. There's some more, but those are two right now that, you know, I feel like bringing up. And I agree. Jay Sean is definitely someone who's contributed to a lot of the success that State College has had all season long. And uh, he, he's definitely one of those receivers that when you watch him play, he has technique, but he's more so like a physical receiver, right? He runs his route. He, he executes and, you know, he catches that ball very well. So he did a great job all season long. Two more guys, maybe, that, that we could throw in that receiver group sort of. Tyrone Moore, 
Mm-hmm. We're still high. He's a 6'2", about 185, 180-pound kid. You know, I think he's another guy that averaged like 25 yards a catch. Big play type guy for steel high. Trent Smith, he's about a six foot, six foot, 170 pounder, six one maybe for Cedar Cliff. And he he played well at defensive back too, but I think he had over 1,100 yards in offense. Both of those guys are guys that aren't locked down yet who I think can, you know, if you're, you know, college recruiter, they're probably guys you want to look at. And if you're just a fan of a school, especially, you know, any of you guys that are listening to this in Pennsylvania, you know, one, one of these PSAC schools, you know, and your school needs a playmaker too. These are guys you might want to check out their huddle and maybe holler at somebody if you know them in the program. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, we got a few more big guys. Zach Miller, Hershey. He's a six-five, two hundred eighty pound guy playing up front. Claude Godino from mm-hmm. Cedar Cliff, six-three, three hundred pounder. Zach is more of your probably what they're looking for in terms of that six-five, two eighty-five kind of size and frame. Plays basketball too for a pretty good Hershey team. You know, I was watching him hit a a turnaround jumper the other night. You know, with his size and his athleticism, he could play tackle. I think he could also play guard. I think he may be a guard at the next level. Some versatility there. A little surprised he probably doesn't have more looks. You know, Hershey didn't have a great season, but I always say they'll find you wherever you're at. I think he's a guy that somebody's going to get a good guy, you know, a good athlete at the position for him. And Clyde Godin, if you go watch his film, he's got some smaller schools on him. But, you know, uh, Jonte Morris doesn't run for 2,100 yards just by himself. Big club is up front, you know, really bullying guys. He was a first team all mid pin pick for us. Two linemen there that I really like that I think should probably be getting more looks. Right, Brian. And I agree. Um, When you think about Zach and and Claude, they're definitely two guys who, one, have the size that any college coach is looking for in an offensive lineman. But two, they both block extremely well and have good motors on them. And, you know, they're they're very hard to to get past as a defender. So shout out to them. You know, more linemen. I want to keep it on the big guys for a second. Let's do it. The CD East offensive line, pretty much across the board, helped turn that program around. Right. The guy who's probably getting the most interest right now is Cam Livingston, which is a little surprising, but is also a testament to just how good he is. He, he right. was a all-mid-pin, first-team all-star for us. He's only six foot, right. you know, 260 pounds. That is not a big offensive lineman. And, you know, if he was 6'4", six, 6'5", six, a lot more offers in the, in, in, in the tank for him. But he's gotten a few small smaller offers at the time. He can play, and that's why he's gotten those offers. You look at them, Marcel McDaniel's numbers that he put up rushing. If you go back and watch the film, Cam's out in front of a lot of those plays, okay? They got Isaiah Scott, who's kind of an athletic tackle, 6'4", 265-ish. Mo Ali, who's about 6'2", 300, 6'3", 300 up front. And uh, Andre Howerton, who's like a 6'2", 285, 300-pound center. Yeah. He can play center. All of those guys, I feel like, and that group can place at some level in college, at the college level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them have a handful of small school offers. But if your teams, if you feel like your program needs a, a decent lineman or you just want to see some guys who have potential to maybe go do something, that CD also offensive line was a fun group this year. Yeah, absolutely. Solid group of guys who all worked hard. And like you mentioned, um, a lot of them aren't the typical prototype, right? They're not, they don't have the, the height necessarily, the weight, but they work hard and they got some grit in them. So shout out to CD East coaching staff and, you know, helping get that constructed. All these guys were trying to, you know, you got to project a little bit. Um, And that's why they're still out there. You know, like uh, Isaiah Scott, he might be the most athletic of the group, but he's like 265, 6'4", so he's a little lean. But then you say, all right, we'll put him in a college weight room, give him a year, all of a sudden he's sitting, you know, 6'4", 290, and we got something to work with. A couple other linemen I want to mention real quick, Roy Irvin, the center for Harrisburg. 
he's about 6'2", 290, 300 pounds. Um, they got a guard, Tyshawn Black, who's about 6'1", you know, 280. He played both ways for them. He was a four-year starter, Tyshawn Black was. He's another guy who, was, you know, if he was bigger, I think he would have more people talking about him because he was really one of the best offensive linemen in the conference. And then Roy Irvin has been probably, you know, one of the most consistent, better centers on a really good offensive line group the last three or four years. So I feel like there's a good group of big guys, you know, still out there. Hunter Coyle over at Boiling Springs is another guy who's still out there. He's like 6'2", 6'3", 275. Guys who I think can help programs at certain levels. Ready for some defensive guys? We got more guys, Nebby. <laughs> you know, when we say, look, there's some guys out there that can play. Let's talk about one right now. Ryan Russo. Yeah. 6'2", 200-pound linebacker. He was the leader at McDevitt defense. Got a preferred walk-on, I know, for Rutgers before that 4A state title game. He can hoop, too. Mm-hmm. Another really good hooper. But I think he's a guy, you know, I think you said you talked to some people who said that maybe, or maybe it was Dan Sostick when we had him on here, said he talked to people who said that maybe Ryan was thinking about college basketball. I know his brother, I think Rant, I think Rant's, you know, is in E-Town mm-hmm. playing hoops and just had a big game. Yeah, Russo I mean, boys can ball, but I think he's a, you know, he's an FCS at least level linebacker that can really help somebody. He, he, he knocks guys and he put up numbers. On any given day. I mean, he finished the season with 135 tackles in total, had about three and a half sacks, you know, and uh, I think he had 15 tackles for loss too. So, you know, he's a versatile athlete. He and Riley Robel both got it done on the defensive end for Bishop McDevitt. You know, they were both staples on that team. And Ryan is just someone who works hard in, night in, night out. And he, he just plays at the same level of intensity. And it showed. That's the reason why they contended for, you know, a champion, a state title game. So You talk about Riley Robel. He's a junior. I'm going to tell you, I watched him the other night on TV here, just manhandle a, a kid in wrestling. And <laughs> if Riley Robel keeps it up, he's going to be an early signee next year yeah. uh, going to a big school. Like I said, I know I've talked to some people like, you know, Ross Tucker. I mentioned him a couple of times. Everybody kind of knows Ross and Ross has that go big recruiting. And I know he really likes Riley and thinks he's, you know, could be a division one guy. I do too. But let's get back to this year. You know, we talked, we just talked about his teammate linebacker. There. Another guy who I think is going to end up or could end up at linebacker. Carson Garvey was a safety for Boiling Springs. He kind of led their defense, called the place for that defense. That's what Brazel told me and kind of got guys in the right positions and stuff. He's like a 6'2", you know, 6'3", 180, 590, 200-pound guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be a safety at the next level. He could play safety, but I just think with his athleticism, his his sort of frame, I think he could be a linebacker. I agree. I haven't heard a lot about Carson, and and, and I, think, I think that that's probably an oversight on some people's part. I don't know what his future plans are, but I think I, I know the kid can play at the next level. So I think he's a guy that can help people. Yeah, and Carson is someone who contributed to Boiling Springs, uh, you know, extremely. Um, He's an athlete. I think he he punted and kicked for them sometimes as well. So he was all over the field. But I can definitely see him playing that that linebacker position. And he's one of those players that's a coach when he's out there on the field as well, like you mentioned, getting people into their positions and getting them in their proper spots. So Carson is definitely someone with the mindset and the, the ability to play at the next level. Another guy that we've mentioned before, I think people are going to project a little bit, right? Tamir Thorpe from CDs. He's 6'5", 190 pounds, 200 pound guy, actually. I've long kind of ranked him as a tight end because I just know that, you know, these college coaches now they're looking for guys who are 6'5", and, you know, and they're in that 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", range. 
They're somewhat athletic like he is. They've got a bigger frame. They're looking to get those guys at tight end, I think, and make and create those mismatches. I think he can do that. I think he can play wide receiver too. I think he's looking more probably like a prep route is the last time I, you know, I talked to someone or, or maybe even a Juco route. I think that would be good for him because this is really kind of his first year, right? you know, really kind of coming out, showing what he could do. And he's got just a frame and, you know, he played opposite of Makai Flowers, CD East, and he would go get the ball, you know, and those guys, you can find a place for them in your program. So he's a guy that I like a lot too. I know you saw him a lot. Yeah, I did. A couple other guys and then we'll wrap this thing up. Central Dolphin. I definitely wanted to mention Max Mosey. You know, he, he's a hooper too. Now, all these guys, you know, they're good athletes. You know, he's 6'1", you know, 185 pounds or so. The Max Mosey really came on the scene, you know, I think it was his sophomore year. He helped lead Central Dolphin to the 6A state title game. You know, he didn't necessarily have a lot around him in the skill position as a senior. Coaches chose him as the mid-pins offensive player of the year. You know, he, he ran for a whole bunch of yards and like 17 touchdowns. So he can, he's mobile. He doesn't have an howitzer, but he has a good enough arm and he's accurate. And he's made some big plays and some really pressure packed uh, situations. So I really like Max Mosey a lot. Yeah. And I believe I read a little while back, he got an offer from St. Francis. So he definitely has the, you know, the, the play style to play at the next level and the IQ. He's intelligent. He, he reads the offense very well. And he, he has that ability, like you mentioned, to play at the next level. Uh, and then finally, I'll just mention two guys who have big numbers. I don't know exactly how it's going to end up. I think talking to both of them during the season, I did features on each of them. I think they're sort of like uh, if they find the right fit, they find the right fit. And if they maybe don't play college football. Right. Um, but I do know that they wanted to play college football last time I talked to them. Joey Minky, the running back slash linebacker at uh, Boiling Springs, really helped turn that program around. And he's probably, what, 5'10", 180 maybe. Yeah. Um, not the biggest guy. Heck of a heck of a player. And then Dylan Wakefield, you know, he's six foot, 5'11", 220. Uh, the running back uh, for Big Spring, who had 12, 13, 1400 yards this year and helped them make the playoffs. Both of those guys, really good high school football players. They probably don't necessarily, like, uh, you know, Dylan said that he wasn't the fastest or shiftiest guy. He just kind of put his shoulder. Now, he probably doesn't check the 40 time box for a lot of people, or, you know, Joey maybe isn't, doesn't check the, the, the height weight box for a linebacker or running back, but the guys can play football. Yeah. I think he can definitely help a school somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see what their future holds because I really do think they can help the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can speak more on Dylan than I can on Joey because I've watched Dylan play several times this past season. Dylan is someone who runs with his head down every single time he shoots through that gap and he's looking for contact and he's looking to demolish and run over you each and every time. And even in their last game when they you know lost in the playoffs, he he, he went out until he heard that final whistle. Is like he, he kept they, – they ended – with the final possession of the game, but he just kept running as hard as he could. He doesn't give up. And he's just, you know, a very, very humble guy and someone that's very coachable. And his, his coach said very big things about him as well. So that was a solid list of guys that we ran through there, Brian. That's the thing. I know there are guys that we probably forgot, you know, and, and guys that we didn't mention, you know, and I could, you know, I could start naming off the top of my head again. Tate Leach out at Middletown's getting a right. lot of uh, schools coming in on him for what he did. Again, not the biggest guy, but a cornerback. He's getting a lot of these, uh, you know, maybe they're not the biggest schools in the world, but they're schools, man. And he's excited about it, and rightfully so. And then, you know, a guy like Sam DeLuca, who was a very productive linebacker out at Mechanicsburg. There are a lot of guys. Point being, and the whole point being of this podcast is just to say, 
there are a lot of talented guys who have really great careers who did everything they were supposed to do. And I think in a normal year would probably have more concrete foundations as far as where they're going to play in college. They deserve the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to be very interesting for us yeah. to cover this story and, and see where they end up. But, you know, if anybody listens to this and you're looking for a good player to any of these positions, these might be guys you want to check out. Absolutely. And stay tuned and continue to check penlive.com and subscribe for all of our exclusive content. Until next week, take care.